White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 Call your sons! Call your daughters! Holy cow! Carlton Burns has put the White Sox ahead! There goes number 400! The big Brad Burns takes the perfect game! His second no-hitter! You can't put it on the board! Yeah! Can it go? Grand slam! A White Sox winner and a world championship! Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson! This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey. And the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Socks podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Socks. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me is Chris Tannehill for episode number 52, Chris. And episode number 52 of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. You know, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of automobiles, it's now impossible to find the parts you need in your traditional auto parts storefront. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is this your... LX? Is this an EX? What kind of car is it? And you're like, uh, I, I don't know. I just want to fix it. And why wait at the counter for sometimes, you know, 10, 15 minutes while they're helping someone else? Why do all that while someone's there checking their computer on the other side when you could be doing the same thing by checking your computer at rockauto.com? And why would you go anywhere else other than rockauto.com to find your parts that your automobile needs? Because the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers like me, like Herb, like you out there listening. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you don't have to? Go to rockauto.com and when you do, do it right now. You write the promo code locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Episode 52. This one's a slam dunk. Most of these I do have to look up actual jersey numbers. And by the way, welcome everyone to Mailbag Monday edition of Locked on White Sox. Usually I will have to look up a lot of the numbers. I'm not a big numbers guy by by heart. I used to be when I was a kid. I used to, you know, I could tell you the whole 40-man roster of the 93 Sox and their jersey number at one point in my life. But since then, that information has been pushed out and other things that are even more useless have been pushed in. But uh, you know, Jersey number 52, let's go with some other notables. Someone did reach out on Twitter and say, hey, are you guys going to give any love to John Garland, who, who rocked Jersey 52, which I had forgotten Real about. <laughs> I forgot he rocked that one. John Garland wore 52 from 2000 to 2002, so a lot longer than I remembered. So he went, he went to number 20 uh, after 2002. Other notables, the Bulldog, 
Yes. Greg, Greg Hibbert, 1989. Greg yeah. I was thinking like maybe John Garland kept that number, like Carcavice was holding the 20 that whole time, but <laughs> no, he was way gone by then. Yeah. Um, it, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a, a pattern we're noticing here with pitchers and how they like to switch their numbers around. You know, it's, a, it's such a mental game. They gotta, always have to feel like they've got an edge by switching their jersey around, as you guys heard from the Jason Beret episode. Uh, Jake Petritska wore the 52. Uh, 2014 to 2017, a solid reliever for for that time that he was with the White Sox. I believe was he drafted the same draft as Chris Sale, I believe, or, or was that Putnam? I, I don't remember. We'll never know. We don't have the internet in front of us, so how will ever find out? Um, Jake Patrisco, wow, yeah, Minnesota's finest. Yeah. Um, all right. So this is slam dunk here. Obviously, it's Jose Contreras from 2004 to 2009. Wore the 52 proudly. Did it justice they don't win the 2005 world series without him and my favorite jose Contreras story i've told it on the pod before i'm pretty sure but it it revolves around one of my great memories of watching a baseball game 2005 uh, my wife and i then she was my girlfriend but we went out to new york to the old yankee stadium for the very first time and where you're sitting in the bleachers uh, at the old yankee stadium which was Man, that's uh, that's quite an experience if you're wearing a, uh, a the road team's jersey, as I was that night for some reason. Over the years, I've learned to sort of just uh, avoid, you know, conflict. You know, there's no, there's absolutely nothing honorable about getting into a fight with someone in a in a in a sports stadium out of state. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't see any value in that. Like, you have to call your wife, like, hey, I'm arrested. I'm in, a, I'm in the jail inside Yankee Stadium. This guy was being a jerk. He was making fun of the sacks. So I had to fight him, <laughs> you know? So I, I had to protect our rep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we got to support the team. Um, so, yeah. but So we went out to Yankee Stadium for the first time, and Jose Contreras was pitching that night. And I remember being on the D train uh, on the way up to the, to the Bronx, to the boogie down, and everyone – on the train that night was talking all this shit about how Jose Contreras was a bum and the Yankees were going to light him up. Bayrod, Giambi, Benson Hurst, Benson Hurst. <laughs> they were going to light him up and, you know, and he sucks. And uh, Jose Contreras that night forward went on to have it all click. He put it all together and went on one of the great runs that you'll ever see a pitcher go on. Was uh, Carl Martinez in that train? Talking about Benson Hurst. <laughs> no, Carl, Carl Martinez, I bet he had the, uh, he probably had the advanced metrics even back then about why Jose Contreras was actually, is going to be good from this point forward. It's like, oh, the Yankees, I don't even know, I'm about to do a Carl Martinez impersonation on the Lockdown oh, Sox podcast. That's very inside. Good God. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I'm, yes, uh, I have no qualms about naming this episode as we usually tend to do anyways if there's a tiebreaker, like, the last episode on this, we went with Jason Bray, then Jason Bray, and then we switched it to Luis Vizcaino because he was a World Series champion. That, so that is it, and also 51. It was incredibly hard and, to find a, a GIF, a, a GIF. I, I don't say GIF, I say GIF. That's the correct way um, because I couldn't find yes. a GIF of 1993 Jason Bray. He was an All Star in '94, but with a different jersey number. So I, I even tried to watch, like you know, it was the good. I think it was called "Good Guys Wear Black." It was like the 1993 
uh, AL West champion White Sox like hype video, their DVD, not even DVDs then, their VHS that they put out afterwards. I, I tried skimming through that on YouTube. It's a great watch, by the way. Uh, a lot of great source material there for a lot of gifts, but yeah, so I had to go back and change it. I felt that was a little nefarious behavior on my behalf, but we have to do what's best for the pod and got to see a Luis Vizcaino gif out there for the people. So, you know, no regrets, but yeah, Jose Contreras, man, just, I remember going to the ballpark so many times at the end of 05 when things were, they felt like it was just utter despair and you're like, man, the Sox are, they're not hitting and I don't know how they're going to win tonight, but I remember going. And he outdueled Johan Santana uh, late in that year in 05 in September. And I was like, oh, man, things may be all right after all. Because anyone who remembers Johan Santana at the time just dominated the White Sox. Not only was it like, are they going to – there's no way they were going to win when Johan Santana was, was out there for the Twins pitching against them. But you wondered, will they even get a hit? And you're talking about good lineups uh, back in the you know early 2000s. The 03, 04, 05 Sox lineups were pretty good. Had a lot of power, but it was pretty much you know that's when people a lot of, a lot of people said they were like the softball team. So Johan had that nasty changeup coming from the left hand side, just unhittable to some of the best hitters in baseball. So he outdueled Johan Santana late that year, and I was like, man, things may be all right after all. That was the first time wherever it was like ah. We'll be all right. But, yeah, Jose Contreras, man, one of my favorites. And he's actually – he's on Instagram. Um, he's He runs a pitching school, I believe. Let me pull it up here. Yeah, Contreras underscore 52 pitching consulting. A little wordy uh, on the IG handle, but <laughs> Contreras underscore 52 pitching consulting. And, uh, yeah, I guess you can you can hire him to, to – to, it looks like a lot, lot of younger kids that he's working with. So, yeah, you hire, you hire Jose Contreras and – He'll show your uh, 10-year-old how to throw a nasty split-finger fastball that'll throw his arm out by the time he's nine. <laughs> but, yeah, it was some great photos on here if, uh, if you're a Jose Contreras fan, and how could you not be? Um, yeah, so episode 52, the Mailbag Monday edition of Lockdown White Sox. We got a lot of good feedback this week for the Mailbag, lots of great questions, uh, ranging from the very serious to the silly and we're doing this early tonight, thankfully, because the uh, the White Sox were postponed. They're going to play a doubleheader on Tuesday against the uh, against the Indians. So let's see what shakes out there, and we'll have a post game recap Tuesday night to talk about that. But let's uh, let's get into the mailbag here, Herbie. Cool. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. We love email, too, on Locked on White Sox. And remember, if you want to hit us up anytime, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. That's LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. And the uh, the first one here is from RugbyChris1 on Twitter. That's RugbyChris1 on Twitter. He's asking, what does MLB do with the Marlins now? Which is such a, a loaded, heavy yes. question. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Sadly, it was the story of the day today in MLB. Uh, where I, th- I think they said it was like 40% of the Marlins ball club uh, tested positive for COVID. They had to cancel their home opener against the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, th- did the Yankees end up not going uh, to Yankees Philly? Yankees did not play their game versus the Phillies. They're in uh Philadelphia area in a hotel. I think there was supposed to be a home and home. They had like two in Philadelphia, two in New York type of situation. I'm not sure they're going to play tomorrow's game, but I'm sure they're going to play Wednesday's game, wherever that's at. So, yeah. Uh, and they've already banged the Marlins-Orioles game 
that might have happened tomorrow in Baltimore, which they changed venues. So what to do with the MLB, what to do with the Marlins now? You have to have somebody responsible, either fine, suspend, fire. You had so many balls dropped in this regard. Firstly, all the people who got t- t- who got a positive test for COVID, get them isolation, and then think about the rest of the team. Let it be known to the Phillies, hey, we've had four people test positive for this thing, and you shouldn't have played that game on Sunday. But even if you do, you say, hey, these are the people they are exposed to. Do you, as the Philadelphia Phillies, want to play this game knowing that we might have some people exposed? And then put the onus on the Phillies if they're comfortable with that regard. But they didn't. And a lot of Phillies are now exposed. And then subsequently, if they would have played today's game, the Yankees would have been exposed. So I think somebody, Derek Jeter, whoever the GM is, or Don Mattingly, somebody has to pay and make sure people know that this is serious. You can't just be out here being laissez-faire with these games, playing a full fucking game. When you know you probably have somebody exposed to one of those four players who are in your clubhouse, it's just very reckless, very irresponsible, and somebody, somebody on the Marlins has to pay. Yeah, I, I think it starts with Mattingly. You know, if, if you're talking about someone who's in charge of your room, in charge of your clubhouse, in charge of your players, even though it's it's literally impossible to police uh, forty different guys plus coaches and, and their personal lives, like everyone, there's got to be a level of trust there. That everyone mm-hmm. can see, you know, the guy next to him, like, hey, I know you're doing right by me. It's kind of like our situation at work. Like, you know, you went out of town, you were out of state, you were in California, you got tested before you came back, before you were cleared. I did the same even when I went to uh, a lo- uh, not even a hot spot in Michigan. But it's, you know, when we're working in close quarters, like baseball players are, you know, you have to be responsible and you have to think about other people other than yourself. So, you know, who knows how this spread it could have been anyone. It could have been someone, a clubhouse attendant. You know, maybe the players were totally responsible, and it just happened to be someone who worked there that spread it. I have no idea. And we'll, we'll probably there's contact tracing, but we'll probably never find out. But it was ridiculously irresponsible of Don Mattingly, especially the way he approached it, knowing what he knew before the game, and then still playing the game, and then you know leaving it up to play the players to decide if they were going to play. I read that earlier that he. He said, oh, the, the players had like a group chat or whatever they were doing, and they, were, they they talked it over, and they decided that what was best for them was to play. That's absolutely ridiculous, and I think Major League Baseball is going to make a big-time example out of the Marlins here, either uh, be it with, with, with financially, if they're going to lay down a heavy fine on them, or you know, Mattingly is going to have to be fired. They're going to have to find the, 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 the GM there. It's, it's inexcusable. You have to make an example out of them if you want this thing to work. Because you have to take this stuff seriously, man. And obviously they weren't. So it's really, you know, again, the whole Florida thing, just in general, not even the baseball team, not even the Miami Marlins, but just the whole Florida thing. Just being at the forefront of how not to act during a pandemic, that's 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 on Florida's new state flag. It's it's like a big mask with an X through it. You know what I mean? Like just irresp- mm-hmm. irresponsible, reckless behavior, and it's it's the reason why this thing is gonna topple over. And maybe doesn't. Maybe they can churn enough roster players and get the whole taxi squad in there. But at, at that point, if you're playing in the NL East, like at what point does that compromise the integrity? And I know Rob Manfred spoke to that point on the Dan Patrick Show about well, when when the the integrity of 
the game begins to be compromised because of the talent on the field, then that's when they'll look at putting this thing on on a hiatus. But let's be honest, it's the Marlins. So it's like, what's the difference anyway? You know, they don't take winning seriously. They don't take public health seriously, so you know, just let them play with their with their taxi squad guys, and let them dig even deeper into that roster of theirs, and let them become a punching bag. But don't award them the number one pick when it's all said and done. That's an important thing. Is you have to. I don't know if you can dock a, a draft pick, you know, just for for this type of behavior. What the Astros did was was kind of like the precedent in terms of t- stealing draft picks away from someone. I don't think you can do that here because you. You have to prove that there was enough people in on it ahead of time and they knew they were not doing the responsible thing. So I don't think that's practical, but it would be a good place to start with me as a conversation. You know, finances, people have to lose their jobs over this and there has to be repercussions in the future because they, they, they can't play with fire here. Uh, and and make a 2020 season work. So, yeah, man, I don't know what you do about that. It's a tough spot, but this is what happens when you're the first sport to come back in a pandemic. You're going to see stuff like this happen, and you you will see positive tests. You'll see more, and that's okay. It's mm-hmm. part of it's part of it. We knew that going in, but to see 14 guys on a single ball club, that's incredibly scary. If you're a baseball fan, oh yeah, that's 40 percent of the team. It's like you can't play baseball with that many people out. I know they have the people at the remote site and the taxi squad, but I'm sure it's going to be more than 14 people because it's the exponential growth of this uh, virus. And I think in, by the time we're done with this, it's going to be like all upwards of 20 people uh, in that traveling party with the Marlins. So it's got to be something. And it's not the fault of the people who get the disease or get the virus. I, that's, I want to make that clear. Yeah. Like if they were being reckless, it is their fault. But sometimes people are being cautious and doing everything. And these are baseball players traveling. They went from Miami to Atlanta to play an exhibition game. And then most people think they got it. Atlanta went to Philadelphia to play the regular season games. And then the, the, the actual symptoms started to develop and they tested positive. So it could be those guys are being very protective, very cautious, and they got it anyways, and that could happen. So if that were, that's the case, I have no fault for anything. But this is going to happen in the future with other teams. Other teams need to be proactive and say, okay, this guy tested positive. More than likely, his partner who sits right next to him in the locker room, who shares that space with him, is probably going to have it. Let's isolate him. Until we get a positive or uh, negative test from him until he, he can even play. So we need some type of protocol where you're going to test positive, but you need to make sure that it doesn't have the outbreak like it happened today and chaos throughout the Major League Baseball. They had to have an owner's meeting to see if they want to bang the whole year. So, yeah, we don't want this anymore. It's going to happen again, but not to the severity. We can it, it happens like this again to this severity, cancel it. Because obviously you don't have control over the virus and or your players. So we need to – we can't play baseball safe if it's going to happen like that. And you've seen reports from Eduardo Rodriguez, I think his name is, the pitcher out there in Boston who has a heart problem. You have other people who don't breathe as well as they did in the past who can't smell, like Yoan Mankata said he lost his smell and, and some of his taste when he started. These things are going to persist. 
I don't. I hope Johan's done with any complications from this, and also any player who gets this, because no, nobody wants a, a debilitating illness to follow them the rest of their lives, especially if they're athletes who need oxygen and lungs to perform at their best. Moving on to the next topic here, the next email, and I could I could tell uh, you guys are hungry just after all that discussion, but moving on from COVID-19 to ballpark food, uh, Mike mm. Victor, a very, very reliable contributor to the Locked on Sox Mailbag Monday. Mike says, hey guys, loved your answers to my question last week, and I never thought of this year being even more grindy for players because of the importance of each game. Along the same lines, I was thinking of ballpark food the other day and missing my usual Sox Park order. Oh God, I am too. His order, uh, Mike's order, would be a charred dog with grilled onions, elotes, and maybe some peanuts or a churro. Then I started thinking why someone in parentheses, outside of maybe a picky eating kid, which I do have experience with, why would somebody possibly crave pizza at the ballpark? I'll admit it does look good spinning in its heated box, but I'll never, but never good enough to warrant the 15 bucks or whatever it runs. Plus, I'm at the ballpark and it's pizza. Am I wrong? Would you ever order pizza at the ballpark? Talk to you soon, guys. Uh, thank you, Mike, for checking in once again. Love hearing from you. Herbie, you want to tackle this uh, this pizza topic here? Yeah. I would never order pizza at a ballpark. Firstly, it's not going to be whatever that restaurant is. Beggars at U.S. Cellular or Guaranteed Rate. Connie's at um, Wrigley. Now I think it's Home Run Inn. But Home Run Inn, you know, it's it's meant to be frozen and reheated up. It's never going to be the pizza at the restaurant. It's not going to be the same quality. It always loses like a generation. It's always, mm, it's good. I can see... I can feel it, but it's not the one. And just like he said, $15 or an expansive price that I can't pay for, I want cheap beats. And guaranteed rate, I think Carl Martinez, who brings second time bringing him up, introduced us to the pulled pork sandwich and potato chips for $10. There's not a better deal in the stadium than that. You get a full-ass meal and filled up. For $10, and it's great, and it's right there on the first baseline, uh, about, I think, one nineteen. So I don't want to pay $15 for a slice of pizza that I know is not going to be at the same level that I need it to be that I would get it at a restaurant. I know the hot dogs are going to be probably the best hot dogs out there, Vienna beef also, and the elotes, uh, except for getting it from a, a street vendor, are going to be very tasty itself so yeah i'm gonna get ballpark food at a ballpark and like you said only thing that only time i think that people get pizza at a game is when they're having kids with them no regular fans getting pizza at a at a game if you want to if that's your prerogative but i'm just saying like you're missing out on all the rest of the things that are i think a plus at the ballpark while that pizza might be b minus c plus yeah, I, I have to agree. That that pizza is mostly only there so you can see the signage. I, I, I doubt people are clamoring to have pizza at, at a ball game. It's not traditional ballpark fare, but I, he, I can relate to Mike, and I do appreciate him acknowledging if you've got a picky kid uh, at a game, which, which I do whenever I bring my daughter. And it's funny because 
you know, that pizza comes out piping hot. So, so here you are, you're sitting, you're trying to enjoy the game and here you are with a knife and fork cutting up pizza in little pieces. And then this is back when she was younger, but like, you know, blowing on the pizza for her. So it would cool off and you're trying to watch a damn game. And I it's, must say you're missing the game. It's so annoying, but smoke the ball, but you know, kids love pizza. What are you going to do? Like, you know, she loves hot dogs too, but only from Portillo's. She's very particular about her hot dogs. So, you know, and popcorn's always a must when we're at the game. Uh, with my kid but yeah I just I never ever have a taste for pizza at a, at a ball game no matter how how good it is they could have lose or they could have Pequods in there and I'd be like eh in too messy you know I like walking around and having something a little lighter you know having just a, a big piece of pizza in your in your stomach while you're walking around and making the rounds as I like to do around the concourse that's not practical to me plus you know, she never eats her crusts, so I always, you know, pizza crust maybe. I, if they sold like a pizza crust, if that was like one of the the the, the stands of the concourse, maybe I would do that because she she doesn't like to eat the crust. So I'll eat that with like my Italian sausage or whatever, or my elotes, a little pizza crust on the side. But yeah, pizza, yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I I I couldn't do it unless you're there with the family. And it's it's the cheap option, and everyone everyone likes it, and like there's a rain delay or something, and you have time to sit around because pizza is great communal food. Everyone gathers around, and you know. Mm-hmm. But if there's something going on, yeah, not not for me. Thank you, Mike, for checking in as always. Uh, next email here, actually, this is a tweet from Justin on Twitter at JDM two four two four two four. Uh, just wanted to ask if you plan on balancing out the amount of crap you gave Leuri in the opening day podcast with the amount Nikki Delmonico deserves for even being on the team. Clearly, they should have started with Madrigal at second base and Leuri in right field till Mazzara is back from the Rona. If I get the Rona... I see the value Leury adds to the team as a switch hitter who can play multiple positions. What does Nikki D do exactly? And he puts quote, what is it you say you do here? Thank you, Justin, for checking in. Yeah, uh, you know, Herb apologized to the family of Leori Garcia on the last episode. And uh, yeah, you're, you're right, man. And there's a thing I, I'm biased to because Nikki Delmonico has been – at the score studios a, a couple times. He's one of the nicest dudes you, you'll ever meet. And I think a lot of that, you know, there's a media bias with Nikki Delmonico. I'll, I'll just say it. Like people, and he's good looking too. He's, he's good looking guy, but, and it's one of those things where you meet a good looking guy and they're, and they're totally cool and down to earth. Like, Oh my God, you really, I really like this guy. You know what yeah, I mean? I want to hate you. <laughs> yeah. You look like a pretty boy. You jerk maybe that's what it is good you talk about college football and you're (laughs) affable yeah you did a little cooking seminar when he was at the score studios yeah like is that it is because you expect to hate him because he's a he's a good looking pro athlete so then you do end up doing the 180 when he's a nice guy so it's like that shock to your system is is going to make you cape for him no matter how he underperforms on the field is that what it is i mean initially but today on i tweeted out that there's no way a guy that barely made the team, and that's what Nicky Delmonico did. He barely made the team. He made the team because of Norma Zara's late diagnosis, whatever he has. Uh, I think it's COVID, but you know I won't uh, 100% say that. He made the team because of that, and he can play left, right field or left field, and he has a lefty bat. And he gets his fourth straight start out there, sixth in front of Luis Robert ridiculous real fucking ridiculous i love the man but he does not deserve to be having all this run all this tick especially since he's not producing any at all and i don't know what is going on give me danny mendick and lurie 
Give me Mindick at second. Give me Lurie in right field in the end room. And that man can come off the bench if he needs to, but to be starting him four times in a row is a little excessive four times, uh, four games in this year. I would hell, I would want James McCann to grab a, a right field glove and go out there and try to shag fly balls before I want Nicky Delmonico to do it for four straight games. Yeah. And just take whatever James gives you. Yeah, I don't know if, if, if I can say that he's gotten better defensively where he's no longer a liability out there. I mean, he's, I, I remember a couple of years ago, he was extremely bad and now he's just sort of like below average out there. But they, the white Sox, they fell in love with the 2017 version of Nicky Delmonico in 43 games. He had a 373 OBP. And I think all of us were, th- were thinking, Hey, maybe again, the, the fallacy of the rebuild, like, Hey, maybe they hit on someone, you know, they found someone who, Fell on tough times with with other organizations and had some had some personal issues and you know maybe we'll give him a second chance here and, and maybe straighten him out and you know for the first season in 2017 they had them believe in that but uh, a lot of injuries later the following year uh, OBP dropped to 296 and then last year down to 265 you know so we're trending in the wrong direction here and I so badly want it to work out for him I, I don't know if it'll be here. Um, although the past few days lineup construction is sort of it's shaken my uh, my confidence in the White Sox organizational depth like I thought we'd be in a better place by now at this point in the rebuild uh, four years into it where they they mm-hmm. have some some more studs they could call up uh, some more young guys they could call up and, and, and replace a guy like Nomar Mazzara but Nicky Delmonico seems to be their best option and I don't know what that tells you about someone like uh, like you know Blake Rutherford um, but you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here with, with the, with the Delmonico thing. It, it's pretty obvious, but then again, it is only three games. Let's, let's, let's wait and see another week or so what we have here. And maybe the, the offense can pick things up around it. And maybe the OBP will, will, will pick up a little bit. You know, I, I don't think it'll happen. I certainly hope it does because like I said, I'm extremely biased because he's one of the best dudes you can ever meet. And you'd be hard pressed to find a guy in that clubhouse who was more loved than him. So that tells you something right there. So Justin is absolutely right. Uh, you know, we, we definitely should be hammering him as much as we were hammering Leori. So thank you, Justin, for checking in. And uh, next up here, John in Crown Point, Indiana writes, Hey, guys, hope you guys are enjoying watching baseball again. Quick question. Do you know why the catcher doesn't throw the ball around after a strikeout? I've seen a few games where they were going to throw to third base, but instead threw back to the pitcher. Is this to limit the number of people touching the ball? We'll start there. What do you think that is, Herbie? That's got to be it, right? It's got to be health and safety. Yeah, I think that was one of the reasons. Uh, you know, you can't spit. You can't be doing sunflower seeds to get the six feet distance. You're supposed to be wearing masks in the dugout and clubhouse. And then no firing the ball around the horn. Um, yeah, just the more people touching the ball. I say when you're out there, it's, I mean, you're pretty much exposed to each other already. Yeah. And you touching the ball for a second for, as the catcher from transferring from the glove to your right hand, down, firing it down to third base. I don't think that's going to be carrying the virus with it. And, you know, so I understand, and, you know, we're working with the parameters we knew at the time as far as surface touching and this disease living on objects and. I think it's been, you know, kind of uh, debunked as far as the disease living on objects for a certain amount of time. 
and it's more of like an airborne thing. So I don't know anything to be extra cautious. I'm there for it. Doesn't it doesn't really hurt to not fire it down to third base? But I think that's the reason. I'll have a hundred percent answer in a second as I lift it up. Well, I think also another part of this is. You talk about the amount of baseballs now that they have to use during a game. They, like it's doubled or tripled as far as the fresh baseballs that it's costing them to to implement in a, in a regular nine inning game now. So I wonder if it's a matter of, you know, the more you t- toss that ball around, the more it tends to get scuffed up. The more you have to replace them. So with without, you know, you know, with the, the same number of, of of opportunities to with. To contact with an umpire and a ball boy, they're just they're adding more and more fresh baseballs to the mix. So I wonder if it's it's a if it's part of you know conserving. I don't know exactly what it is there, but I, I think the the most logical one is is what you just said. I think it's it's health and safety. Even though what we know now about the about coronavirus is yeah, as you said, it doesn't necessarily live on surfaces that way. Um, but it's just a, you know why not do it? You know it's just an unnecessary thing anyway about the game, other than just the old school pure poetry of the game just seeing the ball getting whipped around the horn after a strikeout it's like a natural time filler something to to watch for while the next batter goes up to the plate john also follows up by saying if you guys want to catch a baseball game live the northwest indiana oilmen have fans it's located in whiting indiana right across the border it's a nice stadium too afterwards you can hit up beggars or the casino thanks guys Ooh, going to a casino uh, he, he i'm real good I'm especially f- indiana casinos they still smoking though some bitches I'm real well, good. Th- well any doctor will tell you that smoking in the casino is good for killing off the virus it just smoking it, in <laughs> casino it's just yeah dr fauci that was one of the first things he said after he said you shouldn't wear the mask he said that smoking in a casino uh, it's the best way to kill off coronavirus particles is what I believe the medical term was for it. Particles. Um, Actually, but- <laughs> I haven't been to an Indiana casino in a long time. That might be over right now. But uh, I remember back in the day that it, even after if you had a casino that had cleared out of smoking, you could still smell the smoke inside the carpet, on the felt, <laughs> all that stuff. So you, you maybe know. they're not smoking anymore in Indiana, but. I always had a bad experience as far as that. The aroma was never good. Man. Always came back with some money most of the time. Well, you do. You you tend to do that. You're a winner like that. I remember the first time I ever went to Vegas, uh, we stayed at the Flamingo. And this was when they still – I don't know if they if they gutted out the old part, but I wanted to stay in the original, like, you know – part of the flamingo where it was like you know the where the mob built it and i wanted to see what it was like how these people lived back in the the, the old in vegas times back in the, the the roaring 60s um so we go there and the whole it was just caked with cigarette smoke in the room like it was a nice room but just the carpet the walls everything the curtains they I just stunk like cigarettes i was like how could people you know i i think i've, I've got allergies like so i'm especially sensitive like my eyes start to water up i'm just like oh how could people live in this but in terms of those casinos out in, in uh, indiana i have often wanted to take like a like an overnight trip there like if if there's like a comedian that i like that's that's doing a show at, at the the four winds you know if you want to spend some time out in buffalo or enduajek uh you can do that <laughs> but i always thought it would be a nice little couple's getaway for a weekend it's just because i'm not a gambler or an investor um like some people like to say but i do love watching people it's one of my favorite things to do like i could easily sit there with an old-fashioned at the bar and just watch people uh lose their life savings till the cows come home it's 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 a great joy in life to watch people in the casino 
By the way, I got an answer for him. In the on-field safety rules, any baseball that is put in play and touched by multiple players shall be removed. After an out, players are discouraged from throwing the ball around the infield. So there's your question answered. Oh, love that. Good research there. You got to thank your producer back there on the other side, <laughs> helping you out with that one there. Thanks, Courtney. Uh, <laughs> all right, moving on. Kevin writes this. What happens with Kopech service time since he opted out? And do we get that year back that we lost by bringing him up early? Now, Herb, I know you're an expert on service time, so why don't you go ahead and handle this one? I am not, but I've been told <laughs> by people who are smarter than I that – he is, when he comes back next year, he's pretty much a rookie again. So if they play service time games with him, they can get a seventh year out of him. His clock is reset in a way because of the injury of uh, Tommy John. And then if they were to, like like they would want to probably, next April, eh, you're not ready yet. Here, go down for a couple AAA starts and then bring him up in the middle of it. He's like, He's a rookie again, so... They can play those games with them, and that's what they're gonna. They were gonna do this year, I believe, where they're having Nick Madrigal and Schaumburg. I think they would have had uh, Michael Kopech in Schaumburg to start the season. They would have kind of had a reason, you know, guy hadn't thrown any major league pitches for a while, type of thing, and you would say, okay, it's it's plausible there. He's maybe not major league ready, and we already have six starters at the major league level before Ronaldo Lopez went down. So you can you can argue that away, but. Uh, well, the, yeah, I think next year when he does come back, they will probably start him in the minors unless they have this same dearth of uh, starting pitchers that they currently have. Um, and then they have to have Michael Kopech be one of the top five, which I think if he pitches a full spring, there's no doubt that if his mind is right and his body's right, he'll be a top five White Sox starter rotation pitcher by next year. They could use him now. And the, the important thing to remember with, with him is because – he uh, was not deemed some an, an at-risk uh, player, and because he opted out, that means he that means his his service time freezes because he he loses it basically. When and when we say he loses it, it means he doesn't gain MLB service time from not from not playing. A lot of guys who are immunocompromised or uh, they're in a situation where they have family members that are immunocompromised, and they could they could opt out and still receive their full Major League Baseball. I guess you could call it benefits, but Kopech opted out without being uh, one of these high-risk uh, players. So that's why the service time basically just uh, is frozen right now, and it'll just. Pick- but I'm wondering if his—I mean, his wife, who he uh, filed for divorce with, she's pregnant. I don't know who, the circumstances. That's not my business. But wouldn't that make him a person that el- be eligible for? an opt-out where you get your service time counted for. I mean, it might be like an after-the-fact thing. So uh, I don't know. Well, I'm if, still wondering that if, if he we, has a grievance in that regard. If we have a, a hard time getting like the Supreme Court to, to figure out and, and, get, and get people who write laws to figure out when when is uh, some something a human, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't know if I want to leave it up to Major League Baseball <laughs> to, to arbitrate on when someone is officially a human and should be considered someone in your family who's immunocompromised. Like that's very complicated. And but yeah, I, if 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 I were looking at it, I'd be like, yeah, sure, that's definitely a situation where that person would want to take extreme precautions so yeah it's totally logical and I think if he were to argue that 
in front of an arbitrator and he, he, he'd have a solid case. But yeah, that, that came out today that that he and Vanessa Morgan are supposedly filing for divorce. And, uh, you know, we just wish the best for both of them and the child involved. And uh, I, I have a feeling we're not done uh, hearing about that story and the and the lingering effects, and especially how it relates to the White Sox in 2020, because as we saw with today with Ronaldo Lopez, a uh, 10-day injured list uh, with the inflammation in the right shoulder. So that's never a good thing. We'll monitor that situation closely here on Locked on White Sox as uh, we explore options uh, to take his spot in the rotation. Right now it's going to be Geo, but I have a feeling you'll see another cast of characters, maybe Dane Dunning, maybe Jimmy Lambert. So we'll, we'll take that spot in the rotation, especially with the doubleheader tomorrow. That really – uh, shakes things up a bit as far as the, how the next five days go. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But, uh, yeah, the, 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 the ripple effects of Michael Kopech opting out, omnipresent here in the 2020 season already. And, Chris, I just want to be sure uh, on my what I just said. <laughs> it looks like Kopech will be a free agent after, unrestricted free agent after, 2025 so i was wrong it's not he doesn't go back to being rookie right he has a year service the tommy time. john doesn't affect the service time you know like like he the because the, yeah. the, 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 once the clock starts it starts you know and the, the socks lose that time but he doesn't lose mm-hmm. that time for getting hurt so yeah, yeah the only thing now it's just it's just frozen because because he elected to opt out but yeah so next year is his last year or 2021 will be his last year with uh, just making regular money before arbitration, pre-arb. And then 2022 is his first arbitration year, 23, second, and 24 is his last arbitration year with being an unrestricted free agent when he is 29 in 20, 2025. So that clears that up. And I know there's a guy out there, guy or girl, yelling that I was wrong. And I was, <laughs> so I fixed it. And I'm yeah, telling myself, know. like, I'm like, oh, I don't think that's right. But Herbie's really smart and I'm really dumb and I hate myself that's, and I'm stupid. That's what I'm saying in my head the whole time. And I know I, I mean, was like, that can't be right. You know, that's not true. <laughs> Thank you. I need The part it. about me being smart. I don't know if you're <laughs> stupid. I don't think that either. But definitely not smart. Uh, See, so yeah, I'm very distracted today. After uh, we got off early from work, I went over to Jewel, uh, to the Jewels, and I had to pick up a couple things. And did you know that Klondike Bar makes a... Uh, a Boston cream filling Klondike bar. So you know I was all in on that. I know you're feeling on creams inside of things. It's not your favorite thing in the world. I mean, I do like the Klondike bar. It's delicious. And I wouldn't do anything for it except for pay the (laughs) fare that it's uh, priced at. Uh, Not like hop on a leg or any of that stuff in the commercial stuff. (laughs) But, yeah, I am now uh, realizing, in the last couple of years I've been realizing that I am um, lactose intolerant. So I love ice cream and I just pay the price when I do have it. And I'm sure a Klondike would mess me up something rich, but I think it'll be worth it because it's one of the best ice creams out there. No doubt. But uh, that that does it for this uh, week's mailbag for Locked on White Sox. Again, thank you for a very spirited edition of Mailbag Monday, you guys and gals out there. Remember, you can hit us up anytime you like over the course of the week. Uh, at uh, locked on socks on Twitter or locked on socks at gmail.com. Or I took a couple questions off Twitter today because they were timely. Uh, the one about what do you do with the Marlins? I thought that was too good to not lead off the show with it. But yeah, that, that's all I've got. And uh, before we get out of here, I just want to let you guys know that Locked On White Sox episode number 52 is brought to you by our friends at CBDMD. 
Hey, I know it's been tough staying sane and staying fit over the last few months. I can relate for sure. You guys are working at home. Maybe you can't get to the gym. And maybe a lot of those old injuries are starting to creep up a little bit. You're starting to get a little sore. You know, I, I love working out three or four times a week, but it's been tough since the gyms have been closed. And if you got some makes and pains, what you're going to want to do is check out our friends at CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a pro athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in one of those uncomfortable office chairs. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. So luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets a little chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. There's also CBD Recover that combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most and to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else that cbdmd has to offer they're offering all of our lockdown white Sox listeners 25 percent off your next order when you use our promo code lockdown mlb at checkout once again that's cbdmd.com promo code lockdown mlb for 25 percent off your purchase of superior cbd oil products from cbdmd so a big week ahead for the Sox. As we mentioned, Tuesday there will be a doubleheader, I believe 2.40 central time for the first game. Uh, I believe that's still Dylan Cease in game one, but uh, it's a big week, big week for us. We'll be breaking that game down, those two games down, uh, in Tuesday night's edition of Lockdown White Sox. And don't forget, uh, a lot of you reached out and said how much you enjoyed the Lockdown Luis Robert episode one last week, and there's a lot of stuff to go down to break down about Lou Bob. Uh, this week and his first week in, in major league action got his first hit his first home run and he's, he's looking great out in center field so we'll sort of go over the week that was for Luis Robert and uh, many more to come as you're you're home for daily White Sox coverage on the Locked On MLB podcast network so that's all I got tonight Herbie all right thank you Chris and this has been episode number 52 Jose Contreras, World Series champion and one of the best stretches of pitchers ever had in Major League Baseball from 2005 to about the middle of 2006. So for Chris Tannehill, you can follow him at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. My name is Herb Lawrence at EcknerWall23 on Twitter and Herb Lawrence EcknerWall23 on Instagram. Chris Tannehill, he is at Chris Tannehill on Instagram. We are Locked On Socks, which you can follow that at Locked On Socks and send us an email on LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Episode number 52 for Locked On Socks is a wrap.